Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. All right, let's bring on Joel. Let's bring on Dennis. Look, the crew's back together. Joel, we moved oh, yeah. you. Good morning, gentlemen. Let me do a quick uh, quick rundown here. Uh, S&P Futures down 32 and a half handles, 43.57, in, uh, approaching some critical support levels. Crude down 36 cents at 84.79. Gold in the green here, up 870 at 18.40 and a half. Silver going the opposite way, down uh, 22 cents at 24.10. Bitcoin, wow, someone replaced that first digit on me. Down five thousand and twenty dollars at thirty three thousand one sixty, and Ethereum, that's down five hundred and fifty dollars and fifty cents. Uh, good morning, Triple D. I, 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 I have, I have a downgrade, and I don't want you to take it personally. What, what are you downgrading? The entire country of Canada. I knew that he was going to say that. Blame Canada. This is all Canada's fault. Yes. Um, why, I went, why is I went, I went golfing, okay, uh, and I played with a couple uh, from Montreal, okay? Okay. And I have never played 18 holes of golf. Okay. And and have a lady or and a person not say one word to me for 18 holes of golf. <laughs> they didn't speak to you? No. The, oh, Paul was very nice. <clears throat> Whatever this girl's name was, this lady's name. On the first hole, I said, "Nice to meet you." She nodded. She hit a good Maybe shot. I said, "I say great Maybe shot." I said, "I say I went great shot." She nodded. Well, she Not only speak. that, That's she would okay. tee off and walk down the side of the fairway, and and then at the end, you know, and I said to the guy in the cart with me, Dean, I go, Dean, is it something I said? And he goes, "No, nah, she, you know." So, anyways, on the she last hole, speak. on the last hole, I said. Nice round of golf. Enjoy the rest of your vacation. She nodded her head again. <laughs> she doesn't speak. It's not her fault. She can't speak. No, can't no she speak. said some things in French. <clears throat> oh, she oh, to her husband. So so I, I'm downgrading English. the whole country. And You're downgrading us all. The whole country. <laughs> the to downgrading Quebec. Quebec's no, no. a different country. The whole country. I'm denouncing my half uh, citizenship. Okay, so I, I had to get that out of the way. I've been thinking about it, and I don't want you to take it personally. Uh, and then, I'll, I'll oh, this Paul, to. you know what I said to Paul? I said, oh, yeah, I work with somebody, and, uh, oh, where does he live? And um, what's that little town you live in? Uh, Midland. No, I don't ever say it. it. I've never said it on the show. Oh, <laughs> just, I'm sorry. I just talked over it. Okay. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, wow, it's cold there. He said it's super cold there. Yeah. So it's so cold saying, everywhere. So you're saying yeah. it was not a real welcome to Canada. I'm not sure. We come from the cold. Joel, what she, did you guys do to the market when I was gone? Uh, uh, it's all your fault. All your We've fault. been blaming you all week. We need your liquidity. You go away and the market collapses. Like, I mean, what did the market go down last week? It was an incredible sell-off, but it continues. Is this, but the question is, now that you're back, is this the buy the dip opportunity? Because Joel's back. His liquidity will be back in there. He'll be buying. You're, what are you buying today? You must be licking your chops and wait, buying something. I, wait, no. What I really want to know, though, Joel, is like, you know, how much were you looking at things last week? Because it was a pretty fun week. Um, Actually, it was a great week. 
I I did not log in to any of my accounts. Awesome. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Yep. And basically, um, the only way I found things was uh, following Dennis. I think Dennis is going to be the only person I'm going to follow on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to get rid of everybody I, else. I, I, you know, I, I like see the his play tweet. By play guy. You, you know? do. You're I very good. Play play I was able. I was able to find the, the color and the so. play by play. Yeah. No, I, you guys did no. a great. You know, you did a great job. At least following on your Twitter feed, I saw you banging on the door on Bitcoin. You've been you've been preaching that for I don't know how long. And wow. uh, yeah, so that's how I followed the markets. I did give the thirty thousand uh, price target here. Last week, <laughs> I was like, I think it's seeing 30. We're 33. It was 40. So I was bearish. We know I've been bearish for a while. I did sell more of my Bitcoin. I kept one small little fraction of a Bitcoin, just like a token of appreciation that I once upon a time. And I can then I can say I'm a hodler too. But uh, I kept one small little piece. But my Ethereum, I only sold half of that. And I'm really mad about it because obviously the Ethereum has now come full circle. Mm. Um, it went from, I bought it at 2100, I think. Went to like 40, what, four, almost 5,000, 47, 4,800. Yep. And now it's completely collapsed. I mean, all the nothingness trade, the dream trade, the meme stock trade, that has all turned into an epic disaster. And I, I don't know. It is it is a value market, but right now it's a nothing market. They don't even want value stocks now. They're just starting to sell everything, which we have predicted too, um, You know that eventually they start to sell everything. And just to say, if you're hiding in consumer staples, I think the same no. thing. I think it's going to come, come for you eventually, too. It ain't going to come to the tune of going down 10 15% a day. But, you know, the consumer staples have been a hiding place for a while. The only real, when you get really ugly and we get in a real bear market, the only real hiding place is cash. That is the yeah. real hiding place. And what's, that's what, you know, people don't realize that I've started trading the last 10 years. I've never been through a bear market. I'm officially calling this a bear market because you can say, the S&Ps are only off 7 or 8% or whatever the hell they're off from the highs. The average stock is down more than 25%. There's other stats, too. Some oh, really oh, cool ones. Oh, yeah. Half the NASDAQ, I believe it is. Let me just go see if I can find the stat. This is from somebody at Twitter, so it may not be accurate. So don't, you know, at me. I guess it's what you do if I'm wrong on this. But I'm trying to find this stat from the weekend, which was a jaw dropper. Because you see... Um, you know, you obviously see the indices. Oh, we're off six, seven percent. It's not too bad. But there's a jaw dropper on the Nasdaq. Thirty-three percent of Nasdaq stocks are down fifty percent from their six-month high. Thirty-three. So one third of all Nasdaq stocks are down at least fifty percent. That's a crazy stat. It's something you don't feel when you look like it when you look at QQQ. But the average stock is in a real world of hurt. And even the big mega caps are starting to get in a world of hurt here too. So, I mean, it's ugly. What happened overnight though? I mean, last night I go to bed and we're up like 20 handles. Show us this after hours range. Yeah, I, it's pretty simple. And and I and I thought about this, but, you know, before everyone was talking about, uh, you know, the virus and interest rates, but it's always that unknown, right? That, that comes up and bites you in the butt. Well, you know, Russia invading Ukraine, you know, that's a war. That's that's not a good thing. And so the spoos were on their merry way up and then uh they pulled uh they you know, they pulled the US uh citizens, they pulled them out of the the embassy. So they're buckling down over there and that's what's spooking the market today. 
that because we were on our merry way up and then they did that. As soon as I saw that, I didn't even have to look at the uh, quotes in the future. So um, that's it. Uh, forget about the, forget about the pandemic. Forget about interest rates. It's uh, going to war with Russia, which is, you know, that's it. That, that's what's driving. And the I think down. this market is just now, to Mitch's point, looking for reasons to sell. I think if this headline happens four or five months ago, I don't think you're, you know, getting hit on it. But right now they're hitting and, and, and asking questions later. They're hitting bits and asking questions later. And there are so many, like I'm looking at the market today and I see SPY down 0.64%. And it doesn't do this market justice because there are stocks just assassinated here today. Tesla, you know, let's start with that one. Oh, it Tesla. is down 4.5%. is under $900 right now. Um, obviously quick fall from grace here again, you know, if we look beginning of January, 2022, almost making new highs, gets way back up to 1200. Now it's down under 900. It's a critical support. You'll look at this level, 886. We're at the major super duper extra Alconan support here. What do you think? Do we bounce there the first time back to 886? That's the low from December 21st. We're retesting that right now. Uh, Two comments on this. One, boy, Elon did a hell of a job. He sold this stock. Oh, nice one, he though. did, and I'm telling you, Dennis, you talk about inside the way he marketed and, it too. He, yeah, he, he, ju- yeah, he just uh, incredible. I don't know. I hope he sold his whole stake. I know he, he only sold a fraction of it, but uh, you know, just harken back to the Robin Hood sale, right? And uh, when those insiders dump. So hats off to, to Elon. Um, as far as uh, where the stock is going next, um, I don't want to try and, you know, draw any support or resistance levels. I'm just going to see if we can get um, Gordon Johnson on this. Week. Are you still long? Yes, I'm still long. Have you sold anything? Do you ever sell stock? No. Very rarely. No. No. Very rarely do you sell. You're one of those yeah. that he just buys, and you know what? But they're not big positions. I, but it I doesn't think... matter, Joel. I mean, you're you 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 know what? You're like Warren Buffett there in the long term account. You guys buy and hold, and eventually, you know, you hope that the market drifts higher over the long run. So if you got a, posi- a portfolio of fifty or eight, seven, how many stocks do you have? Long term, not portfolio? as many as you. I don't have very many anymore. <laughs> I, I used to have over 100 stocks that we go back to a year ago. I bet if I counted them up right now, I bet I'm under 50. I've, I'm a lot of cash. But what, what, how many stocks do you I, have? I would, say, I, I would say it's more than, more than that, but there's than less, less concentration, right? Yeah. Like there's Is no... there anything you're really concentrated in? Like one's like 10% of your portfolio or anything like that? Uh, I'm very, I'm very heavily concentrated. I'm way over ten uh, percent in one asset, cash. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh gosh. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so my long term and they're called RRSPs in Canada. My registered account. Um, I should bring it up right now, but oh, I sold raised... GME. I sold GME. That's one stock. Oh, you I did. did. Stock. That was yeah, good. That's right. That was that's a right. good sale, Joel. Because I was sick of talking about it. Not that I know and that it was under hundred dollars. I'm going to look at my long term, my retirement account right now, just to see my cash component, just to give you ideas. Because okay, in your long term registered accounts, the only thing this does is invest because it's registered money. It's for your retirement. It's the whole purpose of the whole thing is to invest. So really, you should always be 100% vested if you think in the long run it's going to go up. But I just want to give some perspective here. Please. Oh, I'm trying to log in, but you, you know what I hate? 
I'm, is I'm, when I'm, you're I'm logging just, into I'm, a page. I'm impressed you remember your password at the top of your head. No, I know because I don't log in that much. But you know what I really hate is when you're logging into a website yeah. and you go to click the box and then the website moves a bit. That's intentional and they make you click an ad. <laughs> it's intentional like that. That it's like it's just loading up yeah. and then it actually moves a bit. And where you click to enter information. It's an advertisement and it moves. That's done intentionally, by the way. And that's what it just did to me here on my on my brokerage account. So you know what? I got to think about my password for a second because I changed it the other day. They made me change it. I hate it when I have to change passwords too. So logging in right now, I want to see how much cash I have. My wife's RRSP and my RRSP. I'm going there right now. It'll give me the percentages right off the hop. Just to give you how I feel about this market right now. Like, tell us how you really feel. Wait, and for context, how much of this was cashed March 2020? There'll be some. There'll be some. I don't have those numbers in front of me. No, but no, there no. would have been some. But it wouldn't be 46%. Which is what it is now? 46% cash in my RSP. And in my wife's RSP, 35% cash. I got her a little more exposed. Holy moly. The holdings. This is how much I don't like this market right now. The holdings, um, it's mixed. You know, I got a little bit of everything in there. I got a little bit of growth getting hit. I got some dividend plays like Enbridge. Um, I've got, it's mixed. I got some Ethereum in there, which has just been obviously just came back full circle, which makes me vomit. Um, I got a couple preferred stocks. It's a mix. It's mixed. I would say it's very relative to probably your average stock, not S&P concentrated. Um, not not my long-term account. And then if I go outside my RSP, that's where I've got all kinds of like the Apples and the Amazons and those. I have a lot of like interest, like uh, bearing stuff in the RSP for the reason is that when you do that, it's obviously, you know, your interest is, is taxed at a higher rate. And they always tell you put like more, you know, interest stuff in there. So anyways, so I have that stuff in there. Not going to get into a tax conversation with you. Wife's is similar. Please, thank you. A lot of ETFs still. A lot of ETFs in there. Yeah. I have the IWM in there. I bought more IWM uh, back when we got to like 212 or something. Mistake. Shouldn't have bought any, but I was like looking at it. It was over 50% of my cash. I was like, I got to get some of that cash to work. No, I should have stayed all cash. I should have stayed all cash. But that's how nervous I am about this market. And then I just want to take it one more. I want to take it just one more place. Is I did sell. Somebody was asking me, what do you think of MasterCard here? Um, so this is how much I'm nervous about this market. I've had MasterCard in my long-term portfolio for a long time. We know I hedged it because I just don't want this much MasterCard anymore. And I sold two-thirds of my MasterCard position I would have sold on Friday. It's still in my account, but there is obviously options in there that would have been exercised. I assume they did anyways. So um, just one other thing to say is, I, you remember I bought extra puts, Joel, on my MasterCard because it was bearish it? Well, MasterCard had rallied so much, those puts actually expired out of the money. So I had the 350s and the 355s. The 350s would have went off the board uh, worthless. 355s technically went off the board worthless. Um, 355.08 is the close. But just because it is closes out of the money, don't think you can't get put stock put to you. Because I had the 355 puts that expired on Friday. And I was able to buy the stock at 354 after hours. So on those puts, I bought 354, I believe it was 05. And then I exercised my puts and sold it at 355. So I made 95 cents. So somebody is looking at their account this morning on MasterCard and MasterCard is down 2%. And they're looking at it and saying, why am I long? Why did my puts, why did it get the stock put to me? 
you know, somebody that wrote the puts to me, obviously. Why did they? I could put the stock when it expired out of the money. Because after hours counts, folks, and people don't realize that. At IB, Interactive Brokers, you can exercise till 4.30. Some brokers may allow you to go longer. Some don't allow you to do it at all. IB allows it till 4.30. So if I can buy the stock under 3.55, I can exercise those puts until 4.30. So I throw automatically. Well, 3.55 is my puts. I'll throw a bid lower. Somebody hits me on my bid. Boom. Okay, boom. Exercise. I hit the button and I, it sells it instantly out of my account. And I make myself 95 cents. So it goes to show you that just because your written puts expire out of the money, if it's close, you, the after hours counts. So, and I've had you know, people argue with me that you can't do this. I've told you, when I use trade options, I do this all the time. I did it again. I don't actively trade options, but this is how common it is. When you get a 355.08, if I was able to buy a 354.75, I would turn around and ex- buy it and exercise those puts. So if you can buy it after hours, below your strike price, you can still exercise your puts. And one additional thing, you could have extra, uh, exercised them even if you hadn't bought the stock. You can and exercise you them, yeah. You could have come in short the stock. Yeah, if you were really nervous and say, I want yep. to be short it, you can exercise any option. It, it yep. warns you when you're, it says, this is out of the money. Are you sure you want to do this? But you can exercise any <laughs> option. Yeah. It's your right. It's your right. So somebody is down seven bucks this morning. And they're probably scratching their head. And I probably wasn't the only person that, you know, ended up exercising those 355 puts. There's probably a few other people too. Somebody's scratching their head and saying, you probably even maybe calling their brokers that they don't understand, you know, what they did. And they wrote the 355s. They're like, it expired out of the money. How am I, how am I put the stock? Well, you can exercise any option. Somebody bought it after hours on you or somebody just decided that they didn't want to be, you know, all of a sudden they wanted to be short MasterCard. And that could happen too. So 355.08 was the close. I exercised my 355 puts. Stock is 347 this morning. I'm pretty happy that I did that. So just to put a bow on that entire conversation. Yes. Um, bow me out. Your options can uh, be exercised and Dennis owns a lot of cash. That's just summarize all that right there. Yeah. Um, and I have stocks. Don't kid yourself. I'm yeah. still hurting. Half my money is invested. So, you know, if the markets fall two, three, four percent, I'm half cash. I'm still losing 2% if it falls 4%. So this, I'm not making money. I'm not short the market here. I'm market neutral. I am short a little bit of my trading account, but from an investing standpoint, um, yeah, I'm getting hurt with you too, just not quite as bad. Um, before we move on to like stuff from like today and this week, uh, Joel, do you have any thoughts on the Peloton situation? I, I feel like Dennis owes me an apology a little bit. Because oh, he does. Dennis, last week, I, I I floated the idea out loud, like, hey, maybe someone like an Apple or a Nike steps in here, and Dennis smacked me down and said, no, 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 who's buying Peloton? No. And then this weekend, we get an activist investor coming out, so they, they, a firm that holds a 5% stake, and they're pushing for, among other things, an acquisition or a sale, a sale. So I'm not the only person that thinks this is a possibility, Dennis. Bag holder activist <laughs> pushing for somebody to fire the CEO and sell the company. That's what you called bag holder hoping for a bailout. So I will apologize to you, Spencer, when the stock gets bought by somebody. When Peloton Fine. gets taken over, Fine. I will officially apologize to you. I'm telling you today, everyone in the chat, that is thinking that they're going to get bailed out by a Peloton takeover. Who, I want to ask you, who is paying 9 or 10 or $12 billion for a stationary bike company with an iPad on it 
that has declining sales or at minimum sales growth that is significantly declining. Oh, yeah, we have subscriptions. Don't kid yourself. Those subscriptions, those numbers that they're giving you, I don't believe we're going to hit those numbers. I think those subscribers will continue to go down too because you know what? We're not all in a pandemic anymore. They pulled so many sales forward. People paid too much for this and they're still paying too much. I did the comparison on Friday. I mean, this company is trading with a valuation still at this point in time more than Planet Fitness. I see Planet Fitness everywhere. I see gyms, you know, as a long-term, you know, thing that we've, you know, has been a very successful business. We can say, oh, we want to connect, connect everybody, you know, in the whole world to fitness. Well, I have an app. It's Strava. It connects everybody. And that app's free for me. So that's already done too. The Peloton fad is over. I think the stock eventually goes to single digits. That is my opinion on Peloton. It's going to have, it's, oh, is it oversold? Absolutely. Could I have a short squeeze? Absolutely. Could it go up to $50? I think no chance. Does somebody buy it? I think no chance. Just my opinion. We'll throw it to Joel. He's actually long the stock, although it's his wife that's long the stock. I absolutely hate this Wait, stock. Joel, we actually came up with a solution to the whole Peloton situation last week. We figured out how to save the company. Do you want to see our solution? Uh, no. And no? I'll, make, I'll make my final two comments on this stock ever. Are okay. you ready? Ready. It was mentioned once on this vacation, and Lisa said it's the best worst investment she's ever made. <laughs> Why is it the best worst? Oh, because she made so much money on it and gave it all back. Yeah. <laughs> We've all done it before, Lisa. It's, right. it's okay. I just right. did it in Ethereum. I did it in Ethereum, too. I made all the money, done the money, and I give it all back. So we all do it. It's and and okay. second reason I'm not going to be able to count on it anymore is because I'm taking an activist role. <laughs> it's Joel's the activist. He's the hidden activist in the Wall Street Journal. Or actually, the I, activist we know. I plan on going on the bike now at least three times a week. Oh, that's wait. my activist role. But no, but that doesn't quite jive with our plan. Our plan was to make you an instructor. Yeah. Did you see? Did you see the video? No, he said he doesn't want to see the video. Tell him the video. Joel, you look so good as an instructor. I, I, he looks so good as an instructor. You could turn Peloton around. The Alconan, connect with Alconan. This was the plan. He runs miles. He swims across the country. We, the problem is we need instructors that have gravitas, which is what Joel can bring in spades. That, 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 that's what we need. Anyway. I, th- I think the only hope for Peloton is if you can use it in a pool. Oh, that would be a game changer. Come up with that, Joel. It'll that work would be a game while. changer. Anyway. Okay. Going back, just Peloton, in my opinion, is a fad that got overhyped, and I think the fad is over. I know that there's a lot of Pelotons. Just go to Facebook Marketplace in your local market, and you'll find 50 of them for sale. Oh, I didn't know that. That's how, that's what I we said on the show when I was 42. I was like, this is why I can't be long this stock. When you right. go on Marketplace, can you bring up Marketplace? Bring up Facebook Marketplace. Uh, search I, Peloton. No, I'm not gonna... Just for fun, the Detroit area. No, what, what, what's, it, it, what's important now in the whole, in the whole really, <laughs> what we should be talking about is diversification in your portfolio. Yes. Yes. That wins. Yeah. And you so when you, have, when you have one stock that is, you know, that does something like this, of course, it would have been great to sell it in 2021 or any you know at uh any time well sometime no 2022 uh but 
if if you're diversified and you have a lot of different investments, then something like this is like, you know, dropping a $20 bill on the street Such or something point. like that. So, you know, Such for you, point. you know, for y'all that are worried about the position or what I'm doing with it, what you need to do is you need to take a look at your own portfolio and you need to see if you're heavily concentrated in something and then, you know, just have a plan to do it. And if you're over concentrated in something, then, you know, you're going to, you know, things like this are going to happen. So that's, uh, exactly that's it. And Joel, so you're that's exactly it. right. Stay there, diversified and you can make mistakes. You can afford to make mistakes. It's the people who like, I'm going all in on this stock or all in on that stock. And they're going to be right a lot of times, but they're going to be wrong sometimes. And then they absolutely have to be cutting those losers, but they don't. And this is what you see. People buy two, three stocks. I mean, Kramer's whole, let's be honest here. Kramer's whole, am I diversified? And they bring up five stocks and he tells them they're diversified. You're not diversified with five stocks. I'm sorry. That segment that's been running on Mad Money for years is just a poor example of diversification. Because you know what? You can bet wrong on five stocks. It is very possible. You can be in five different sectors and just pick the worst five stocks and think, oh, I'm moving along with the market right now and I'm diversified. And you're not. I think that segment is awful. I think when Kramer tells them there's two technology companies and there's a you know a consumer staple and an industrial, and he tells them they're diversified, I think he's wrong. I think it's not enough stocks. So we're talking about diversification. Like I said, you know I've owned anywhere from 50 to 100 stocks. So at, at a certain point when you get that high, maybe I'm too many, maybe Joel's too many, but you're kind of moving around with the overall market. You know, mm-hmm. like overall. S&P's down 1%. I kind of just mimicked an S&P portfolio. I have so many stocks, and I'm probably going to be down about 1% on the stocks that I own today. But I mean, absolutely, you need to be diversified. And don't think you're diversified with three or five stocks. I don't think it's enough. I'll just bring up my Fidelity account for one second and give you the- How many you have? Well, the largest individual stock that I own makes, as a percentage of my portfolio, is I gotta scroll all the way to the thing. Um, oh, well, this is not helpful because I'm on the app and not on the website, so it's not really showing. But it, it's less than ten percent. Is the point? It's probably like six, five or six. That's what you want. You don't right. want like 20, 30, 40 percent one stock. You need to, you know, once I get over ten percent in something, then I'm gonna start. And sometimes that's just because it grows into it. But I think you're. I think that's the right approach, Spencer. I think what we need to look at in this market. Wow, is this market really rolling over right now? Yeah, we um, should talk about that at some point. I think diversification, Joel, to a great point you're making. Asset allocation, and you know, we're going right back to your CFA hat on, and just making sure you're not concentrated. I mean, yep. just because you own ten stocks, if money's in half of you know, if nine one stock is half your money, you're not diversified either. You're really relying on that one stock. And it's awesome when that stock's doing well, but it really sucks when that stock gets hammered or rolls over. So, and again, don't think you're diversified if you have 40 growth stocks. You got to be like, it's about different sectors. It's about different types of stocks. You know, you want some consumer staples. You want some growth. You want some value. You want a little bit of everything. Barbell approach, whatever you want to call it. You want a little bit of everything. But this is a lesson in diversification for everyone right now. If you're concentrating a lot of uh, uh, disruptive, high growth names, You've absolutely been hammered, and your portfolio is probably down 40, 50, 60%.
you know, if you're building a portfolio in a diversified way, you got a little bit of everything in there, you really should only be down 10 or 15% right now. That's how you know you're doing an okay job is if you're only down 10 or 15% right now, in my opinion. Yep. Also, also, uh, just another, you know, not investment advice by any stretch of imagination, but don't hold stocks in your long-term portfolio that people say they're never going to sell. What do you mean by that? I mean, yeah, I'm all, I'm also a little confused by that. Like, like, like people, like there's some stocks I'm not going to mention them directly that people were in, and they 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 said they're never going to sell it. They're holding forever. You should always be willing to sell at some point in time. Right. I think and you know exactly thing, what I'm referring yeah. to all these meme stocks. Yeah. No like one was AMC. ever going to sell. I mean, here we are. I mean, yeah. I, I, I get hate on this, so it's okay. I can take the heat to a certain extent. I mean, obviously, I don't like when they're giving me death threats, but I've been, you know, taking heat on AMC and GME for a while. I mean, here we are. I, we were $55 a share. I said my price target was 10 I said this, you know, go back to the shows. I've been saying this the whole way down. It's $16. My price target is still 10. So, I mean, you've come back in a long ways now. If you're short the stock, congratulations. I would probably ring the register at this point in time just because it's come down so far so fast. But do I think it's eventually going to 10? I do. And because eventually valuation matters and it's not the market cheating you. It's, you know, who is cheating you is all the people who were pumping this thing. That's who is really cheating you. It's because you've got to understand that stocks just don't go up because short interest is high. Stocks with higher short interest usually have a higher short interest because they're crappy companies. And we've got the CEO that sold all over half of his stock. So you made the CEO rich. You made a lot of insiders potentially rich on this. And you're looking at it and thinking, well, it's going to be a short squeeze and it's eventually going back to 70. And I'm sorry to break the news to you today. I don't think we're in that market. Does it, Can he eventually do that? Anything is possible. I think the odds of it going back to 70 anytime in the next five years is very, 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 very low. I think the odds in the path least is probably still lower. I'm sorry, you know, that, you know, you've got caught in this. I'm sorry, maybe you were in the movement. It's a cool movement, you know, let's, you know, retail. But, you know, in the end here, retail is losing in this significantly. And a lot of people are losing a lot of money. So I feel bad bad for all those people. I feel bad for you if you're new to the market. And you jumped in the stock just because you're in, uh, in for a movement and you're looking at it, you're down 20, 30, 40, 50, 60%. And now I feel bad for you, actually, um, because, you know, but it's a lesson to be learned. And the lesson to be learned is, one, I hope you were diversified. I hope it was only a fraction of your money. I hope somebody didn't take a mortgage their house on something like this. You know, I hope it's not, you know, all of your investment dollars, because in all likelihood, I'm sorry to say it's probably not coming back. It's probably so like I feel op- bad for you. It's probably like the opposite of what we've been trying to teach and talk about on this show. It's why, yeah, it, it's kind of it's, it's like it you know, it's like we almost let the worst possible thing happen to to investors, and uh, you know, there's only so much that that we can do. But you know, it's all fine and dandy when when things are going up, but when things are going down, it's a whole different story. Yeah, it was going down. I mean, we're pretty much going down. I mean, pretty straight down for the last uh, last hour or so. Ugly. Uh, it's, it's, I don't it's, even know what to say. It's ugly. Know, it's been a pretty ugly morning. Um, we should talk about just some of the movers because we're going to have Tim Quast on in a minute here. Let's just talk Coles for a second here. Wow. Because uh, they so this is an interesting story. So they got a takeover offer. This is it was out Friday. Uh, 
Dennis, was it before eight o'clock? I don't actually know if it came out before. No, it was after. It was after. It was late yeah. Friday night. Dropped it maybe a little. Let's yeah. look after. It's a, a firm that is controlled by Starboard, Starboard Value Fund, um, uh, threw out a nine billion dollar bid for uh, for Coles. It was sixty four dollars a share. Um, Acacia Research is the name of the firm that's controlled by Starboard. Um, now there's another. Uh, bid potentially on the table from Sycamore. You've got uh, activists, investors involved, but the bottom line is is Cole seems to be in play here right now. Um, that's, that's what I said. I, wait, wait, who just was that? Joel, Joel, that's what they, that was my reaction too. <laughs> I mean, if um, I was long this thing, I would ring the register oh right now, like not even hesitate to go on the pre mark. I'd go and I'd stop listening to the show. If I was long this thing, I would stop listening to the show right now. I would go into my account. I would sell it right now. That's just my opinion, non-investment advice, but you're getting 35%. This is a gift. You take the trading gifts while you have them. One, we don't know if this is going to come to fruition. Two is the time value of money is an issue here. Three, I don't think there's going to be a higher suitor here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's going to go off the board at 75 or 80. Lots of lessons to be learned here, though. One is valuation matters. Kohl's was trading cheap. I mean, what is the forward PE on Kohl's? Like eight, seven, six? Uh, eight. Eight. Yeah. I mean, this is it, there's a theme here, and it's compared to Peloton. There's a theme here. Companies making money, it's trading with a ridiculously low valuation, and these are the ones getting bought. Activision, Blizzard, also, you know, trading not slow, such a low valuation, but not expensive either. So Kohl's just cheap. So this is the kind of stocks you do want to own is the value stocks. We're getting a significant pullback in the overall market. I think we continue to look at this overall market and continue to buy value. You know, like use this opportunity if you're looking at stuff, not buying nosebleed stocks. And they're going to rip the most when the market starts to turn. But when the dust settles, I think it's you want to own value names still uh, if you don't have any of them. So I would be looking at opportunities there. And you get rewarded like this. Kohl's, Activision. You know, this is a stock. I have I had Macy's for a bet. I just don't have much right now. So I don't have, a, you know, I, like I said, I, you know, at one point in time, I think I had over 100 stocks and down like 50. So I don't have the kind of stocks that I did before. So I'm nervous about the overall market. But this is a gift. This is a gift. Don't kid yourself. It's a little bit different than uh, the Microsoft LinkedIn thing, right? Because this is coming from private equity. So you don't have like a gauge. Because I, when I saw that Activision news, or that uh, I was just like triple D. The only thing I imagined was you going in your account and selling the stock out of it. You know, because you've been it. in it for so long. No, I don't own uh, Activision. I sold out. Oh, you I did? I would have. Yeah, okay. I sold okay. out at 85. Yeah. Oh, so that's a great. Oh, that's incredible. So, uh, number one, so you don't have that component to look at, right? You don't have the the other stock, so it makes it a little bit more difficult. But man, oh man, oh man, uh, if someone's coming in at sixty two or sixty five or seventy, then they can have it. I mean, I, I just starboard's good. They've made some good investments over the long long haul. I think. This is just this is just a gift from heaven, and I'm looking at this like from the Activision point of view. But um, if you've been in the stock long time, you have a $62 target, $63 target. Stick with your target. Don't get greedy. Um, the only thing, not not investment advice, but I wouldn't be buying it up here hoping it gets taken out at 75 or 80. I think you're you're wishing a little bit too much there. So we'll see what happens. But it's just I think it's, it's just a gift. you gotta it's ring the register. When you get the gifts from the trading gods, the news works in your favor, your stock goes up 34% in an ugly, ugly tape, 
and it's saying what was the number they were saying 65 yeah it's not even there no no but, it, yeah, but right, 63 right. it basically is oh yeah yeah time value of money let's what to what did you know we just want we've got activision blizzard folks ATVI with a takeover on the table, not even a rumor here. Ninety-five and a ninety-five dollars cash, Joel, and it's trading I, at eighty. I know. I mean, this is a significant discount because obviously they think the deal might not go through, which I can't understand how you do antitrust with this. But I mean, you look at like, like this Coles. I mean, trading only two dollars. There's time value money factor too right now, which is going up. Inflation's there. So even though you maybe only getting one percent, you know, the, there's seven percent, you know, inflation happening on you too. So sitting around waiting for it is not doing you any world of good here. I'd sell it. So that's you know, ring the register and move on. That's just my opinion. Uh, let's get Tim Kwa's thoughts on all this. He is the founder of Market Structure Edge. Joins us every single Monday, and uh, we talked on Friday, and uh, Friday was a it was the biggest volume day for the QQQs in a decade. I think a lot of that probably has to do with the options expiration. But let's bring Tim on for Market Structure Mondays. Let me jump one thing in. All right, Joel, didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, no. I'm just going to say the difference between the Kohl's deal and the Activision deal is regulatory concerns, right? So no one's going to care if Starboard takes over. So that, you know, I just wanted to draw the distinction between those two. But let's bring in Tim. Hey, Tim, how you doing? (laughs) Good. How are you guys? Nice to see you. Excellent. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Uh, Tim, uh, when you and I spoke on Friday, you know, we we were sort of uh, talking about how the clothes might shape out, how, how this week could mm-hmm. shake out with uh, with the Fed and options expiration on Friday and all that. Uh, with all that, with with last week at the Mirror, w- just what is your take on, on, on last week in general? Well, first of all, Happy New Year. I haven't had a chance to say that to you guys yet. Yeah, yeah realized, Tim. Man, after, it's been a long time. After, we <laughs> miss you. After January 15th, saying Happy New Year doesn't count, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. I missed you guys, too. Good to see you. Great to see you too, Tim. Uh, well, thank you, thank you. Uh, and I'd I'd love to kick Coles around too. And by by the way, uh, so Blackwell's has this, uh, you know, is putting pressure on Peloton. Uh, over on the corporate side of, of the business, we helped Super Value through the Blackwell's uh, battle that ended up in the its acquisition by United Foods. So we know those <clears throat> folks pretty well. Uh, and there's all kinds of that going on at the moment. But Spencer, back to your opening salvo, and we talked about this on Friday about and and big volume. By the way, big volume, yes, but the trade size has collapsed. The trade size in the S and P 500 right now is 102 shares, barely off the bid. Right, the uh, the number of trades per day in the S and P 500, the average component has gone from a 50-day average of about 39,000 per day. If you think about that, traders. They're, they're at, at least 39,000 prices every day for the typical component of the S&P 500, not counting all the canceled trades. And it's about a five to one ratio. Uh, now it's 53,000 trades. And so the trade size has come down to 102 shares. That's part of why there's an explosion in volume. So you have to think about that, what that means uh, from, from the standpoint of who's responsible for it. Uh, the, you know, the smaller the trade size, the more that people who don't want to own things are setting them. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. 
the so Spencer, it's all traders. Have, I mean, they, you're exactly right here, yeah. Tim. Like, and I'm trading actively here too. And I've been saying on the show, I'm I am that person mm -hmm. because I'm buying, selling. I'm doing a little bit of yeah. arbitrage. I'm doing a lot of statistical arbitrage, which is what I do in my trading account. But I'm yeah. like net neutral all the time. I'm market neutral, market neutral. Now, my long-term yeah. account, I wear two hats. I do have some investments, sure. and they're getting hammered today here as well. But yeah. I play that active role of I don't want to own anything. Now, I don't want right. direct market exposure here in my trading account. You know, I'm just right. trying to extract alpha from little market inefficiencies. And it's not my right. job to say, oh, I'm going to buy this, and I'm going to hold on to this for a week and a half and make some money. It's a different style yeah. of trading. Right. Yep. There's a lot well, more of what I'm doing uh, going on right now, is what you're saying. Sure, absolutely, there is. Now, there's no question. There was some. Uh, there, there was a little bit of I would call it panic uh, through options expirations last week. Remember, and this is what we talked about, Spencer. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday were all options expirations dates. And if you go back through uh, the 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 intervening time between now and the financial crisis, the amount of time that the market's troubles coincide with options expirations is a startling correlation. Uh, you can all, it's almost always those periods. It can be month end as well. Uh, but we should be asking ourselves, why? Why is it that there's a predictable point in time where trouble seems to develop? And uh, I was uh, I sent a market desk note out as we do every day for edge subscribers, and we talked about managing risk. Could we have known that the market would decline nine percent in the past two weeks? No. Could we have known that the market would likely decline? Yes. And it's math. You know, Spencer, you and I talked about the you know the referencing Albert Einstein, who said uh, you know don't worry about your math problems. I assure you, my problems with math are much larger than yours. But the market has a math problem. When there is big volatility into options expirations, then prices that depend on future events become uncertain, and the instruments that represent them can be marked to zero. And if those instruments are 20% of the market, you could face real trouble. Now, well, and here's what we think about from an edge perspective and market structure perspective, that the market trades between four and six most of the time on a 10 point scale. And calculating, I did this before uh, the show here, uh, I went back and checked the math. If we go back the past to, to December 2017, this happens to be the data set that I looked at, from December 2017 through Friday, what are the market's gains in total when broad market sentiment is above 6.5? Zero. There are 0% gains cumulatively over the whole time. And January 5, broad market sentiment was at 7.5 and peaked. So if I run the math and say, well, what happens to the market when it's at 7.5? Well, it goes down substantially. So could we have known? Well, yeah. But you know, the hard part for traders is to accept that there is risk in the markets. We always want to be in there doing something. And from our perspective, you, what you, you know, always, we always say, take gains, not chances. You want to think about, I think, Dennis, what you said. Uh, this is a great time to be in value stocks, even for, for cash preservation there will be time to leave. But to me, Spencer, the problem was this, that since the pandemic, there has been a flood of money into growth stocks, so much so that the demand could not be satisfied with stocks. So it gets pushed into things that substitute for stocks. 
options, futures, ETFs, which ha only have value if the market continues to go up. If it goes down into the first expirations period of the year, you can have real trouble. And that's what we have. So, Tim, we look at this market here and everybody, even though there's trouble, even though the risk is higher, it's yeah. this natural human tendency to see stocks getting cheaper and say, I want to buy them. I want to jump in here. Exactly. Tell, tell us, is, 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 is there a chance here? Like, what is your, what, what's, what, what's your system telling us? Is, is this going to be over soon? Because, it was, you know, and the S&P is not that bad. But in the average right. stock being down 25% here, it's kind right. of ugly. Is there an opportunity to start dipping our toe in here? Well, I would answer that with two things. One, think about context. And two, think about supply and demand. Those two things should tell us when or if we do something. So the context, let's take that first. Today, new options trade. So last week, we had VIX expiration Wednesday. Thursday were index options expirations. Notice that the, the deterioration came in the afternoon. So those, those lapsed at noon Eastern time and everything was uncertain. Mark's up, Mark's down, Mark's up. We get to noon, boom, it falls over. So that tells me there was a, a lack of demand for the substitutes that index investors use. Friday, we had the full triple witch uh, plus leaps, long-term equity anticipation securities that expired and reset. Today, we have a whole new series that expires in February. Will money show up? Tomorrow, the banks, that the banks back an awful lot of that. Uh, the large banks, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citi, Merrill, they back 95% of the derivatives market. So what do they do on Tuesday to square their books? Did we make money? Did we lose money? Let's sort it out. So the context is, let's get through those rapids and see where we are. Then uh, we, I want to look at supply and demand. De, you know, demand's abysmal <laughs> across the market. Broad market sentiment is at 4.7. It's not at one. It's at 4.7 and declining. And the supply side, short volume, is above the 5, 20, 50, and 200-day levels. So supply is abysmal and demand is abysmal. When supply begins to decline, I think that's when we have an opportunity. And that's pretty apparent in the data. So that's how we think about it. Dennis, and I can show you if you yeah. like. Yeah, show you know, us. Please. So I was gonna, I was going to ask. So where is that playing out right now? I mean, we had a yeah. we, we we saw a couple of charts on Friday, but I'd be curious right. to see. Right. You know, we can look at things like Netflix or AMD. Uh, you know, where's the supply? Start and with Netflix because okay. this was basically the catalyst for the sell-off yeah. Friday, and the and the selling has continued here. I mean, yeah. we're retesting Friday's lows here. We're only four bucks off of it right now. But here's a stock that's widely owned, falls over a hundred points on a disappointing earnings report here, and everybody says, "Well, I'm buying Netflix." A lot, at least not everybody, but there's a lot of people in my timeline, my Twitter timeline, saying, "I'm buying Netflix because how can I go wrong? Eventually, it's coming back." Tell us, you know, what you think right. out here on Netflix, so we, what you're seeing. Okay, so we default. Let me hide this because. Spencer, you'll mock me if I don't. So I've, I've hid, hidden that now. Thank you. So uh, first thing, let's just look at 30 trading days. I, you know, I one of the things that we have learned over time, shorten the time frame to look at it because traders and investors change their minds. They do. Not, you know, you say long term they don't. Well, but everybody who has managed accounts, I'm like you, Dennis, I've got 
long-term uh, positions that are managed by financial advisors. I will, we will recalibrate periodically what the exposure is. Uh, from a trading standpoint, though, you want to know fairly certain, with fair certainty, what the short-term supply-demand equation is. So let's start with 30 days. This is Netflix. This is closing price. And it's not giving us a lot of granularity. That's fine. We just want to know what the demand behind that is. And that's the green part of the graph. And the more time that stocks spend above buy, the better they do. It is a very, very high statistical correlation. So look at what Netflix was doing before it reported results. I mean, it was already miserable. Right? <laughs> already, it was yeah. already a one. And the supply side is on a ramp up. And right before it reported, supply shot above the trend, telling us traders shorted it. So there was no demand and everybody short Netflix. You can know that beforehand. So you shouldn't be in it right now. What we want to see and we see just the beginnings of it is a decline on the supply side. If supply drops below the trend like here uh, and, and demand is still at one, that could be an entry point. But unless and until that happens, it's not. And it doesn't matter where the price goes. It's very easy to forget that price gives you no indication of value. What gives you an indication of value is supply and demand. It's the most basic economic principle. If you got an MBA, you know this, that's, I didn't, but I know this, <laughs> supply and demand form the nexus where price lies. Price should be at the nexus of supply and demand. So right now, we know that it will be very difficult for Netflix to sustainably rise until supply declines. Yeah, this is not making me feel great, Tim. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're looking here, and I'm like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> so, okay, wait. Let, let, let's just do this. Let's just do this. Let, let's, put, let's look at a couple names that are due to report okay. this week. We have All a right. lot of big ones. Let's just start with Microsoft because they yep. report tomorrow. And I think the last conversation we had uh, here, Dennis, you said, let's look at Microsoft and Apple. Yeah. And I, we looked at a long range, and I said, materially long range, they don't. There's nothing wrong with them. And, there, and I would still say that, but you can see how supply and demand have weakened here near term. So here, once again, price is the top line. Demand, uh, which is a, an, an algorithm. It's an algorithm looking at the underlying reasons that people and machines buy and sell stocks and how that's affecting price. And once again, think about this nexus of five. The more time that we spend above five, the better. Well, it, back here, when it was spending more time above five and supply was uh, below the trend, then price rose. But we, this has been, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not terrible. Spencer, it's not terrible. But look, mm -hmm. at, look at the, the demand is only at what we're at 3.4 and supply is rising. It's below trend. It's, that tells us that Microsoft is not likely to collapse, but it's, this is not a great uh, setup. We back up. What would a great setup look like? Yeah, give us one because you're making yeah. us. You know, we need to see. We need to get cheer us up here. There's yeah. something looking yeah. healthy like here. GE or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if GE we, looks healthy either. I don't know. We can we can look at some stuff that is worth buying. So so, but here's here's where there was great opportunity when demand shot up and supply did not keep pace. That that could divergence. Supply demand divergence. Supply demand divergence. Supply demand divergence. That's what you want. And when those things converge, when demand stops rising and supply increases, we'll leave. You can repeat that over and over and over. It won't be perfect, but it's better than everything else, as Winston Churchill said of democracy. Worst form of government in the world, except for all the others. 
So the the uh, that's what you want to look for as to what would be good now. We talked about this Friday. You know, that's uh, one of the things I I don't like to trade during options expirations because I think it's it's just very risky. Uh, but if you look at Pepsi, here's a great example of something to own during periods like this. It spent all of its time the past 30 days at five or better. And here, supply dropped. So supply dropped into options expirations. Well, traders, that's very telling. You can always look at that ahead of options exp expirations and go, let's find the stuff that's spending a lot of time at five with declining supply. And you'll find the stuff that looks like Pepsi. Pepsi offered a great harbor. I, I traded it last week, again, versus the market because of the supply demand divergence, even though supply or demand is just at five. And so you know you what else that, is helping Pepsi and especially this morning? It's in the queues. And that helps it because we have the queues trained down 1.48%. But you got Tesla trained down five percent. That's a big ding. Yep. You got Google trained down two and a quarter percent. That's a ding. You got Amazon yep. down another two and a half percent. That's a ding. You got majority of the big components in the S and and the, and the Qs trading down farther than one and a half percent, and that makes them have to buy something. So what do they buy? They buy all those non-tech components of the QQQs, and this will be interesting to you, Tim. If you bring these up this morning, here's your non-tech components. I got them right on my screen. Pepsi. Oh, it's green. WBA, oh, it's green. Mondelez, oh, it's green this morning. CSX, what the hell is CSX doing in the queues? I don't know, but it's in there. And it's trading up 1% this morning. Why is CSX up? You get, I'll get somebody from the media calling me you know, on somebody. Why are all these stocks trading up? It's the ETF yep. effects. You know, I do the arbitrage, so I understand this. It all has yep. to add up. Yep, so you got CSX, yep. Dollar Tree, Fox, Gilead, Comcast. Com Why is Comcast up so much today? Because it's in the queues. That's you know that that's all of how much the, the ETF effects on this market are amazing. They're, I mean, they're huge. Yep. It, it, it's it's and you know you follow this stuff too, Tim. Yes, I do. mean, this moves yep. markets more yep. than anything. Yep. I, I, and, and this only works when the funds are prohibitively large, like Spy, QQQ, and a handful of others. Because there's well, a bazillion honestly, people doing the arts. Yeah. That, it, it, <laughs> Clearly, there's you know 85% of, of market cap is in the S&P 500, so there uh, an awful lot of it is going to be focused there. Yeah. But the principle applies to anything. That you've just uncovered the the whole basis of how ETFs are priced. People think, well, they're priced on the basis of assets. No, they're not. They're priced on trading an ETF versus the basket that yeah. the ETF sponsor wants people to use as a proxy. That's what it is. So if those the, the wherever the basket is relative to the ETF is the trade, that right. is the truth of the matter. So you're yeah you're right. But the new traders you can know, you know you can know where the money using to me using edge. You want to look at supply and demand, and you will see that. You know you you're, you don't have to be as sophisticated as Dennis, who knows a great deal. You're very fortunate to be able to listen to Dennis uh, on this program every day. Uh, but you can look at the supply and demand divergence, and you'll see where the money's going. Where's the money going to go in a market like this? Low volatility and arbitrage trades. All right, Tim, we got to let you go. Uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Have a, have a good rest of the week. Good to see you guys. You guys we're glad you're back. You. We missed you. Uh, well, I, I'm happy to be back. I mean, I, I love floating around on a boat in the Caribbean. And, <laughs> and I love hanging out here in Austin, Texas. Yeah. 
a rainy day in Austin, Texas, but I, I really love hanging out with you guys. All right. Thank you. All right. Have, have a good one, Tim. Uh, hey, I lost all track of time here. It is 8.58. We got two minutes left. Time flies when you're – Not a lot of ticker time. Time flies when you're uh, – I don't even know what we've done today. Uh, so uh, we missed Unilever. UL are trading higher because Nelson Pellets is taking a stake. So um, That UL was a buy, eh? When it went down there that they were going to buy Glaxo, that was just stupid. Yeah. All the way back up, though. Hey, but now look at you, Al, Joel. Yeah. What would you do on this? You gapped down that huge amount. You just got it all back because Nelson Peltz took a stake. <laughs> what do you do, folks? Well, if you're a gap trader, uh, you're looking so, at uh, a gap fill. You're gap right up, now. In, uh, it, up in the uh, upper 53 handle. It's so. 53.37. Yep. So wow. it's right there, filling the gap. Textbook wow. technicals. Take oh, wow. Another run if you bought the dip, here. in my opinion. Yep. All yeah. right. Hey, I'm going to hop here, guys. I got to hop over to Pre-Market Prep Plus. I think we have uh, some people that are going to have some uh, a lot of tickers because we didn't get to cover a lot here. So I'll check in with you guys later on. Triple D, I'll talk to you at the top of the That's hour. Good. This has been a crazy morning thus far. We just continue to make new lows throughout the entirety of the show. After making and ripping all night, everybody on my stream was telling me the bottom's in. This was what was happening at nine o'clock last night. But like the problem is, is like we we had that type of behavior um, in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one too. Frankly, like like in the broad based indexes. I mean, not in the individual stocks, but uh, yes, indexes did make sharp rebounds a number of times, right? Um, so we've got that recent memories, those recent memories in our head, right? Yeah. Oh well, it just did this, you know. Uh, I'm 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 thinking now. Let me go pull back the spy. It was like uh, yeah, like it was September, September where everyone's freaking out. We ripped the new eyes. After that, we're just not in Kansas anymore, though. And the difference is, and we can look, and there's people in the chat saying, "Well, the market's only off." I mean, what's the S and P off from the all time highs? Is it even ten percent yet? Is no, it even a correction? No, but it's, uh, it's 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 ten percent. It's over ten percent. Four seventy nine. Down to 431. Uh, We're off about 12%. Yeah, all right. If I'm doing the ballpark but math like, right. I, I'm just moving, like, moving even beyond like the COVID lows, obviously. You had you know February 21. You had March of 21. You had May of 21. Uh, July of 21. Can you show us what you're looking at? I'm, I'm just looking at a chart of the spy. I'm just looking yeah, at every single up. time. Yeah, sorry. One second. I'm looking. I'm it's nice to get not sharing my screen here. Um yeah, all I wanted to do was pull up this daily chart of the spy and just like uh, just do that, right? So like we ha- we had a series of dips. Yeah, I-, I I don't know if I would call them violent, but they were dips nonetheless. Yeah, right. February, January, March, May of twenty one, ju- uh, June twenty one, July twenty one, uh, September of twenty one slash October, right? And, and and December too. And every time. We just we bounced. So you've had you have that recent memory. It's hard for people to yeah. to un, to, un, to like to, to to get off of that. Um, I'm not saying we have to bounce now, but but I'm saying that's maybe where the the call the bottom itis, you know, is from. It's from the fact Great. that we we just bounced six seven times. In I the like last... that call the bottom itis. That's what everybody has. I do it too. It's yeah. a natural human tendency to want to yeah. be the hero and call the bottom. But you know what's the difference? Go back to 2020. You, you had uh, October 2020. You know yeah. November 2020. Right. It just, yeah. The difference is trend has broken now, though. Like yeah. if you look, the look at that. You know, just zoom out a little bit so we can see. Because yeah, you can see what I mean. It's, it's so it shows it. But we've broken trend here now significantly. 
So, I mean, now it's like, okay, the Momo guys are saying no thank you. And the value guys have been saying and preaching for a long time that the market is expensive. Yeah. And it is. It, it I will... mean, we got up to, at a, a certain point in time, I think the S&P was 32 or 33 times at the highs, wasn't it, on a trailing basis? Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, you know, and, and, you know, historically, you know, for the S&P perspectives, we trade 14, 15, 16 probably on average. So the average stock is really expensive and it's come in a bit. But they're still they're a lot of really expensive. But if you look, there's diamonds in the rough. I mean, Kohl's is trading at seven times earnings or eight times earnings is just dirt cheap. So somebody's coming in, and it probably does make some sense, you know, for some of these companies that just have these ridiculously low valuations. But you've got to look at what you're buying right now. Don't look at price as your indicator. I know people always want to just look at price. You got to dig in a little bit deeper and look at valuation because people are looking at Peloton and saying it's so cheap. You know, it was $180 and now it's 26. Well, you know, and a Twitter follower there just tweeted at me here, um, Florida, Florida, great uh, tweet there. Nautilus, not comparing Peloton to Nautilus. It's a hell of a better company than Nautilus. But Nautilus's market cap, and I didn't look this up, but he's saying is $155 million. So this is home fitness equipment. Now, this is best of breed. I'm going to tell you right now, Peloton is going to be worth way more than Nautilus. It's worth something. It's not a zero. But is it worth $8.5 billion? Or $8 billion because it's down a little bit here today compared to $155 million. I think Peloton, you know, if it's 2 or $3 billion, that's a healthy valuation. You know, and that would bring it down to about 10 bucks. So that's where if I'm putting on my CFA cap and trying to come up with a value for this thing, maybe 10 12 bucks. 27 Okay, you can say, well, I'll ride it down to 10 or 12 Well, if you ride it down to 10 or 12 you just lost half your money. I'm not in this business to lose half my money. So I buy 26 it comes down to my value zone at 13, which I'm saying there's good. I'm saying if I'm doing it from a valuation perspective, there's probably some value, 10, 12. Again, it doesn't make money, though, so it's hard to value it. But, you know, there's subscribers. There's a name. There's, you know, some, you know, there, there is something there. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a zero. No. But is no. it $8 billion? Still not cheap. The problem with stocks being expensive as a reason to sell is that they've been expensive for a long time. And people, but that reason matters, and it started to matter. It started to matter ten months ago. It isn't like a, yeah. a blip on the radar. It started to matter in February of 2021. It was just slow, and this is how these things go. They don't just crash. You don't just see boom and the crash and it's over. Yeah. Death by yeah. a thousand cuts. Yeah. Kathy, learning this the hard way right now. Sixty-eight dollars on Arc. I tweeted out this weekend. That if you want to go and just get crazy, and if we start seeing growth stocks go like they did, not saying it's going to happen, but if they go like they did in 2000 to 2002, the average growth stock fell 90%. 9-0, not 9, 90. The average growth stock is down maybe 50 right now. So that's a hell of a lot of pain left. So if that was that case, and if we are following that, and we've been following it pretty closely, yeah, that would put ARC around 20 15 to 20 dollars uh, an each for the etf 15 to 20 bucks it's 68 right now if you buy it at 68 and it goes to 15 you're gonna lose 75 percent of your money so don't just think arc has to come back here it doesn't have to do anything we may not be in 2000 we might just go back in this hyper growth scenario it's inflation we've got a lot of things going on we may just bounce back and maybe arc's gonna rip off to 150 dollars again that might happen. There's probabilities and possibilities for everything. But I'm just saying, people are coming in this and saying, what can I lose? In the scenario that we are actually in, the repricing of all these nosebleed growth names, 
ARK could still have significant downside. And I know that's hard to believe. I'm not saying short it here. It's way the hell oversold. It was $100 a month ago. It's 68. It just got cut by a third. So it's way oversold. But I'm saying on bounces, you get up to 75, 78, you're going to see sellers. And we've been seeing this. Every time ARK bounces 5, 6, 7%, mm -hmm. the sellers hammer it. I don't know if that's going to change any time soon because there's so many bag holders in all of these stocks. So don't be early. Don't try to catch the falling knife. That's my opinion. That's how I approach it. I'm not jumping in arc saying it was 170. It's eventually going back there because back in the 2000 tech bubble, not every stock was Amazon. The most of them weren't. And a lot of them never came back. That's true. That's true. Survivorship bias. All right, we got to hop because live trading with Benzinga is going on right now. Let's go. Tennis, we'll catch you tomorrow. Everyone, hit that like button for me, please. I'd appreciate some more likes than we have right now. Uh, and again, stay. I know we didn't really do ticker time, but stay tuned to our next show. They will address all your ticker questions. Uh, Ryan, Mitch, Zunaid, uh, if you have a question on the stock, on a chart, throw it to them and they will do their very best. Uh, thanks to Tim Quas. Thanks to all of you in our chat. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. That's a wrap. I'll catch you guys in a little bit. Everyone, uh, stay green today or don't even trade if you don't want to. You don't have to trade. It's up to you. Live your life. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.